Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. I've got breaking news today, breaking news here on Daybreak Devotions. Daybreaking news, that's what we'll call it. Give me a sound effect for daybreaking news. Put that on the list. Uh, the growing list of needed sound effects for this program. We've got so many sound bites and sound effects. We've got a folder full of possibilities. And a folder full of yet-to-be-discovered ones. Oh, yes. My list is growing. I don't know whether you have given me as much as I've asked for or if the number I've asked for that I have not yet received exceeds that. Probably the <laughs> latter. But anyway, welcome back to Daybreak Devotions on this Tuesday edition. and I've got serious breaking news now. Okay. I have the official National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration 23-24 weather, winter weather forecast for you. Wow. This is hot off the press, man. Uh, this, this came out literally 40 minutes before I came over here for this, this record, this so, radio broadcast. So it gets <laughs> no more current than what you're about to hear. Well, unless something has come out <laughs> since I got over here. But... I have been, I've been watching a little bit of this, uh, trying to keep up with what's being said, and I've been asking people a little bit about what you think about this winter. I'm just going to come right out and say it. We've had some disappointing winters the last two, three years. I, I can't remember the last really good one we had. Now, what I mean by that is I won't... Snow. Oh, that was your cue, <laughs> man. You should have had that pulled up. Uh, I won't snow. That would be an exciting weather, winter weather for me. Not everybody would be excited about that. Some people look back on the last couple of winters and say, oh, these have been glorious, no snow. Well, poo-poo on you. <laughs> the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration says, cinch up your snow boots, buddy, because we might get more snow. So you're saying there's a chance. That's about all I'm saying. <laughs> But uh, what has been made clear, according to this latest report of the climate from the Climate Prediction Center of, the, of NOAA, is that due to a very powerful El Nino. What does El Nino mean? The boy. So due to a powerful little boy <laughs> that is stirring about in the waters of the world, a mild dry winter is likely on tap for much of the northern tier of the U.S., while the southeastern U.S. should see a wetter-than-average winter. Now, there's another piece of information to that. Now, now moisture's good. The question is, what will the temperatures be like? Yeah. So, it will be warmer-than-average temperatures across the north, and it will be about standard temperatures in the south. Which means, forget your rain boots, forget your snow boots, rather, I don't know. I think that maybe rain early on, but once it gets cold, like because our, our average temperatures for the winter can get pretty cold. And once it gets cold, if we have more moisture, well, it could go either way. It could mean more ice. Yeah. See, I've got the – there's a, a scene from Frosty Returns that's going through my mind where Mrs. Carbuncle is out there shoveling snow, and she says – First, there's snow, there's ice, then there's ice, then slush, and where there's slush, there's broken hips, and where there's broken hips, there's substitute teachers. 
that's what we have to look forward to in the South. Well, there you have it, folks, your winter weather prediction. Everything from uh, average temperatures to broken hips. You heard it here first, folks. And you're welcome. <laughs> well, I, I mean, what do you study? Well, music, uh, songwriting, and whatnots. Songwriting? Yeah. Did you ever hear a snow, snow, beautiful snow? Why, yes. Did you write that? No, I shoveled it. <laughs> well, there you have it, friends. <laughs> if it does snow, you're going to have to have some shovels. Shovel it. Either that or you're going to just wrap up in a warm blankie and a hot cup of cocoa. Yeah. By a roasty toasty fire with chestnuts roasting and popcorn popping and yuletide blessings playing in the background. Uh-huh. Well, we have revival going on. You wouldn't know it by listening to this radio <laughs> broadcast. But we're having revival meeting going on this weekend to be uh, to be quite frank, we are serious about it. We're just not serious about this weather forecast. But uh, uh, we are on the second night, technically the third night, because I have counted Sunday services as opening up this this event, this meeting. We're going to use that term meeting here. Uh, this is How To Tuesday, by the way. I haven't said anything about that. But we've got a special edition of How To Tuesday. What we're going to be talking about in conjunction with our meeting going on is how to prepare for a week of special meeting in your church. Now, whether it is a full week or a few days, it doesn't matter. How do you, as a member of your church, prepare for that? Because I don't think it's an acceptable answer to just say, well, I'm going. Mm -hmm. Because that's about what you get out of it. You get out of anything what you put into it, as the old saying goes. So how do we prepare for a week of meeting in our church? And that'll be our feature for this week's How to... Tuesday. So, so let's begin with just naming some of the different types of special meetings that churches have. I uh, compiled a list of about five here, which I probably missed something you might think of it. Actually, one just crossed my mind. I'll, I'll throw in there if you don't mention it. But here's what I wrote down. First of all, revival. Now, that's probably the first one we think of. And in some ways, we, we might put it up there as one of the more important ones because, or the important one, because it is speaking to the need of, well, let's just say, God gives life, Christians tend to drift into dullness and coldness, and so revival is about renewing the life of God in our individual heart and in our church, so revival is certainly a big one. Then I thought about missions conference is another Mm -hmm. one, missions conference where we really emphasize our role dynamically in the Great Commission and what we're supposed to do as a local church with that. And then I I put down Jubilee. I don't know that that's as common. I know that that's something that maybe I heard more about that than I remember, but I don't know that I heard a lot of like Jubilee meetings until I came to this area. And maybe I still don't hear that used a whole lot. But, you know, maybe somebody calls that. But Here's how I interpret Jubilee, at least the way we've done it here. When I came to McLeansville, that was something that was done, you know, on a a yearly basis. They'd have a Jubilee meeting. I don't know how far back that goes, but I took that to mean this is a a week for celebration. This is a week for not revival. Mm -hmm. Now, let's just go ahead and say we need to make sure and distinguish. We're not here to do a podcast on revival, but we distinguish the meeting called revival and the experience of revival. So the experience of revival can happen any time, any given Sunday, as they say, or any given special meeting. 
But Jubilee seems to be a time for celebration, you know, praise and worshiping God and just being excited about uh, all that we have in Christ. Sounds like a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think you got to have some revival to be able to have a Jubilee. Yeah, otherwise it's really hard to celebrate if you're kind of cold and dead. If there's no in- genuine enthusiasm, go back to last week, there's not going to be any Jubilee. Yep. Any jubilation. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote down number four, conferences. You can have conferences, which typically I guess I would define as um, or explain it like you, you may have, you're having multiple speakers that come in to talk about a specific topic or an objective that you're working toward. That would be a conference. And then I put down camp meetings, which they don't have the same connotation they had years ago when people literally showed up and camped out for a week or two and listen to the preaching because it was almost done in conjunction with a revival-type meeting. Mm-hmm. But people still have camp meeting where they go for a week, and I guess camp meeting is distinguished because it's not just evening services. It's like morning, evening, meals. Depending on how you work it, it can be very tiring. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, too, like revival meetings are typically specific to an individual church where that church may invite other churches. Camp meeting a lot of times is... Is more of a compilation of churches that are coming together. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 almost built in to be more of a multi-church event, whereas revival is typically there's a host church that may invite other churches, but it's their meeting, their church's meeting. Well, and conferences could fall into that category too, because a lot of times you're inviting others from outside your yes. church. And I, I didn't even think about it. I wrote missions conference and then wrote conferences as a general one, but I guess mission conference is a specific type of conference. It fits the same definition. Yeah, I think when I heard your explanation of conference, I thought more of like our Way of Holiness conference. Yeah, where but it, it, was it, like, it applies. Multiple speakers for a specific topic or objective, that's yeah, a missions conference. It's almost like an, an a learning intensive, though. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, I think that where I see the difference, mission conference kind of falls in between revival and like the, our Way of Holiness conference because it is more of a... It's still more. Should it? There's a good question. Well, maybe it is a good question. Maybe that's why it's the least attended thing. Actually, I don't know. Conferences could be pretty low attendance events as well. The, the, the key there is they're not as traditional. People don't feel as obligated. And they actually require a more intensive interest. You can't just, you can't be a spectator as much in mission conference or any kind of conference. It's very easy to show up to a Jubilee or a revival service, be a spectator, and leave feeling good about yourself. Like, yep. all right, that was good. It's the difference between going to watch a uh, college or pro football game and being one of thousands in the stands or coming up to a little backyard tackle football where there's about eight of you and you divide up four on four. Yeah. That's the difference. Yes. <laughs> anyway. So I had five, but I'm going to reduce that down to four and add on my other one I thought about. So we we were at five, then we dropped to four, but now we're back to five. That's grace, baby. All right. <laughs> I didn't think about it, but I would I would actually go ahead and include like a vacation Bible school in there. Okay. Because if you think about it, that's something that a lot of churches do annually, and it is a special week of meeting. Mm-hmm. And I would make the argument that everything I'm going to present today on how you prepare for a special meeting should be should be implemented in the Vacation Bible School as well with its own unique add-ons because of the roles that members play in, in the Vacation Bible School. Yeah, that's good. Can you think of any others? I think 
the only others that I would include would be like maybe it's not I guess a special meeting, but it's maybe a special season. Like I think of what we have been doing at the church, like through Advent and then through the Lent season of all right, we're in a it's a longer time period than a week, you know, so it might be three or four weeks, but there's still something specific that we are being asked to do to heighten our awareness, um, what we're going to get out of that particular season that we're in. Okay. So what we're asking you to do is, whatever we're offering today, find where it applies to what ha- is happening in your church. Because at the end of all this, and I'll, I'll say this as one of my major points of how we prepare, um, but we're trying to bring to the church gifts that we have to offer as a member of that church. In other words, preparing myself helps my whole church, and mm-hmm. likewise with every member of the church. And we can bring out a lot of the old cliche adages, but they're all accurate. You know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And so we could do that. But all of this is about you know, all these meetings. The purpose of these special meetings, I think, is to generate renewed enthusiasm in the church and in every believer. And we're not getting too much into the specifics of these different meetings, as we said. But we want to look at how to prepare for each of these in ways that will go across the spectrum. Now, I will say this. It will help to know the purpose of the meeting. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in a general way, too. So why do we do these things? Because if they just come back to, well, we do them because we do them. We have revival meeting every fall. You know, a lot of places, our experience probably growing up, you have revival in the spring, revival in the fall. You Mm -hmm. have missions conference if a church does that. And since we've included VBS, that comes in the summer. Oh, there's another one, by the way, mission trip. Yeah. For us, that's an annual thing that mm-hmm. all this is applicable to. Yes. Uh, but anyway, think about the purposes of the meeting. And I, and I wrote down uh, five words that start with R. Oh. This is not all intentional. Sometimes it just happens that way. It starts out unintentional, and then you're like, oh, there's three words with R. Let me come up with three more. Uh, but anyway. Or two if you're trying to get to five. Exactly. <laughs> or maybe you come up with six, and then you knock one off because, ah, and then you add it's two more. Good to knock, <laughs> it's good to knock people off every now and then. Uh, so renewal would be a purpose of these meetings. Renovation is a word that we've spoken about around here all year. Repentance is always an underlying purpose of these meetings. What is repentance? Repentance is a change in our thinking. We don't like that one. Yeah, but man, if we're not seeking repentance in these meetings, we're not going to get help. I mean, that's just a fundamental of this. But what do you do when you've already got all the right answers? You need to seek repentance. Oh. And uh, fourth word would be reaching. So part of the purpose of these meetings is, would be that once we are renewed and renovated and have repented, we're actually going to go out and reach people, you know? So reaching the lost is a part of this. And then reforming. That's where I think about in terms of society, culture. Now, I'm not talking about we're going to have some great movement like back in the 20s. We're going to bring back prohibition or we're going to shut down the, you know, the tobacco industry. (gasps) Somebody just turned their radio off. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about every impact that we bring into society as a result of our being renewed, renovated, repenting, and now having a desire to reach people, 
it brings a, a measure of reform. You know, for example, I've mentioned this a lot around here lately because we've got this new Starbucks in Witsit. And I feel like if I go into that place like I did this morning in preparation for today, I had a little extra time built in there, and I went in. My intention was two, twofold. One, I wanted to go in there, and as I've been talking about around the church, make some connections, meet people, uh, so that I can ultimately be able to witness to them and share Christ with them. But secondly, I went in there to set and, and prepare and get ready to do a radio program. Okay, well, I feel like, I believe that in some measure, I brought some reformation in that culture by being there. Now, I either believe I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world, or I don't. It might not be something that anybody else would measure and say, ooh, it might not be that I walked in the door and people started falling out because the Holy Ghost is dripping off of me. <laughs> but surely I brought some measure. If I brought the Spirit of God in me, if I brought a sense of peacefulness and, and joy and a sense of um, enthusiasm for what I was getting doing there that day, that has to bring something into that society, right? I would think so. I, I can't help but think there's a... There's a scene from, can't remember if it's this present darkness or piercing the darkness, one, one of the two, where basically that happens, like the, the town, the pastor of the local church, one of the, one of the few bright spots in that community. Oh, thank actually, you. <laughs> but, but this guy is actually like, he's not a Christian in name only. He's sold out. And the whole premise of those books is it kind of unmasks the spiritual warfare. And so he comes into a place that is very steeped in darkness, not because he's trying to frequent it and like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to show up to this pool hall and hit some pool, play some video games, smoke a few, all this. Or shoot some pool. <laughs> what I say? <laughs> hit some pool. Hit some pool, shoot some pool. I'm not a, I'm not a billiards player. But anyhow, but, but that's the analogy. I we were talking about pool. Yeah, that too. <laughs> he comes in and he brings with him the Spirit of God and the host of heaven and all of the dark forces are well aware and are very uncomfortable and want to hurry up and get him out of there because we don't want your kind here. But that that image sticks with my mind of something so simple and so small as, you know what, I've got to go to this establishment because I have business here that needs to be done. But I'm going to do it in the name and in the power of Christ, and, and I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm not going to try to be anything or make anything. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be there and do what I need to do and do it in the name of, of Christ. It's not even Thursday, and we've offered you something from the treasure trove. Yes. Well, uh, going back to where we were at on Sunday, 2 Peter chapter 1, let me give this scripture because as I was thinking about doing today's How To Tuesday, this passage comes back to my mind. Really, this whole chapter, again, is, is extremely applicable. There are things Sunday that I wanted to share I did not have time to do that come in the latter half of this chapter, but... Um, just reading the first part, Paul, or I always say that, Peter. Poor old Peter, he only got two books. Wouldn't it be <laughs> ironic if the Apostle Paul wrote the book Second Peter? Yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, anyway, uh, Peter, just jumping right in at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, 
and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why I'm referencing that as a source text is when you think about some of these key intents for a meeting, uh, that when you have a special meeting in your church, any of them, there are some things that as a pastor you always hope is going to happen. And they're right here in this passage. Three things. Number one, the saturation of God's spirit and truth in the people of God. And, and that's what Peter brings out here about these great and precious promises that once they get in us, they're helping us to become partakers of the divine nature. But he also points out the second thing, which is separation from the world's corruption. So when we have a special meeting, it's about extra time getting in worship and getting under the preaching of the Word of God. That, that is, I mean, it's almost like, well, duh, but it needs to be more than that. We need to be conscious of that. I'm literally going to come to church. For us this week, it'll really only be two extra services. We're going Sunday through Wednesday, but I'm going to come give that extra time to be in worship and get the Word of God preached and receive that in my heart. But I'm also... That's more time I'm getting out of the world consciously, on purpose, so that I am separated from the corruption that it's constantly throwing at me. And I know you said it should be a, you know, a duh-type moment, but I can speak from my own personal experience and know that it is very possible to show up for the hour to an hour and a half of the special service and not really separate from the corruption of the world. Mm -hmm. Like, because... That's my conversation before church. That's my conversation in the middle of handshaking time, in the middle of service. Mm. And then that's my conversation after service. So I was there in body, but I was no more separated from the world other than just the fact that I wasn't at my house in my living room, but I was I was there. Well, think think about this. And I know, I, I to personal experience, when I was a bigger football fan, for example, mm -hmm. I say sports fan, but I wasn't a sports fan. Like some people like love all kinds of sports. But this time of year, I would often find myself distracted even at church thinking about a football game yep. that I was wanting to see that I couldn't. I heard somebody say the other day, oh, it was our beloved Pat here at the church. I don't think he'll mind me quoting him on this. But he said when he was a boy, Gunsmoke came on on Sunday night, and he said he always made him mad because they had to go to church and he couldn't yeah. watch Gunsmoke. But it's that kind of thing. Well, you kind of expect that with a child, right, with a young man or young boy. But as adults who are committed to following Jesus, see, we, we, we got to be conscious of this and say, I'm separating from that. Yeah. So it's the saturation in God's spirit and truth, the separation from the world's corruption. But then Peter goes into that adding to your faith, that progression there. And I wrote it down like this. It's the supplementation of our faith, uh, meaning it's it's extra being given for added growth. And literally, that's what he's, the word means there when he says, and beside this giving all diligence, add to. It is the word for supplement. So when you think about supplementing, we take supplements or we supplement our diet or, or we supplement our income, whatever, because while we might have uh, just enough to get by, we need a little extra right now to get us either over a hump or to a certain place. And that's what a special meeting is for. It's to supplement where we are so that we can add to our faith and grow. So really, all three of those things, 
the saturation in God's spirit and truth, separation from the world's corruption, the supplementation to our faith, all of it is so that we can grow in the grace and knowledge of God, which is what Peter is after. Just to solidify that, the very end of his letter, verse 18, chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's his whole purpose here. So given all of that, we need to view a meeting like this as something that each member must take personal responsibility and ownership for. In other words, it's anti-consumerism. Mm -hmm. We cannot come to this looking to be entertained. We cannot show up to a special meeting, well, I have, I'm not preacher's going to bring it tonight, or you got a singing group there. Well, I can't wait to hear them sing. That, I'm just going to say it bluntly. I don't know how else to say it. That is... Okay, let me back up and say, I want to be careful. That could be a very wrong attitude. Because I was just thinking, I mean, if there's someone that you genuinely want to hear preach, for example, because you know that you're going to get a lot of help and your desire is to really grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, then I can understand a statement like, I can't wait to get there and hear them preach tonight. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about being entertained. It's, it's not, not about the show. The, yeah, it's really about they're going to help me. You know they're going to have something prepared that is going to nourish your soul. And honestly, that could be said of singers. Sure. But that's not normally the case when right. those statements are made. <laughs> right. Very but honestly, rarely. how much is it the case about the preachers? Sure. And I don't want to, neither you nor I want to go into judging. What we're doing is we're offering perspective and insight for each of us to d discern our own heart about it. In so many places, what happens with these meetings is they become so standardized and routine and obligatory that people just kind of come to it in that same attitude, you know, standard, routine, and obligatory. But the thing about it is, if that is where we are, we can't really blame anyone but ourselves. You can't really blame the preacher. You can't blame anybody. You can't even blame the tradition. And as a pastor of a church, I can't blame the tradition. I'm responsible for my own soul. I'm mm -hmm. responsible for where my heart and mind is when I show up. I'm responsible for, get this, where my body is when I show up. Because let me just put this out there. If I show up to this thing and by Wednesday night I'm run plum rag and I feel worn out and I can't keep my eyes open in the pew, well, let's ask the question why. What did you do when you went home after the service the previous two or three nights? Did you stay up watching the news? Did you stay up watching football till 11 o'clock? Well, don't be blaming the preacher for the long meeting. Then the preacher that gets up and preaches, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, and you're like, I wish he'd shorten them messages because I need to get some sleep. Yeah. Well, go home and get some sleep, man. I mean, really, at the end of it all, you can't blame anybody else. You are responsible before God to take care of your soul. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, all that being said, and with all the time that we have left, what are some ways that we can prepare? How do we prepare for the meetings? And I, and I know we've been kind of laying it out, but without structuring it. So let's bullet point it a little bit. So if it's, if it's about the saturation, the separation, the supplementation, what are we, each of us individually and collectively as a church, to do in order to make that a reality for one another and for our whole church body? So I have wrote down just four things in the main body of this broadcast today. So how are we going to get this out? We're going to have to hurry. Number one, the most obvious, plan and prepare to be there. Probably don't need to say a lot about that one. It should be obvious. But the thing about it is you should know well enough ahead of time that this meeting is happening. 
most of the time, a church, a pastor, is going to have announced this meeting in some format in enough ahead of time that you can plan for it, right? Yep. There will be exceptions to that. There will come times where maybe the Lord lays something on a pastor's heart and says, you know what, I think we need to do a meeting. We need to have something special uh, for this reason. And it might pop up, but but even then it's probably going to be with some notice. But then I want to just go ahead and push against the mentality of I need more time. You're a member of a church. You have a number one priority obligation to support that church. Yeah, I, I I really want to speak against that one. Not against that one, but against some of the, I can already hear the counterpoints. Because I've heard them my whole life. Yeah, but, you know, I, I'm trying to teach my children commitment. And they made a commitment to this organization, this team, this function, this social gathering. And listen, I'm all about teaching your children commitments. But there is no greater commitment that you have made in your life, nor that you should be trying to teach your children than your commitment to God. Yeah, but God understands. Stop. Why why are we why are we even trampling under the on top of the grace of God? Does God understand if I am sick and unable to be at the gathering? I believe he does. Does God understand if I have chosen to fulfill another commitment over top of my commitment to him? I don't believe he does. Well, and does God understand if I'm actually not really sick, but I just don't feel great, and I just use it as an excuse? Yes, I guess I'm talking legit sick, like, you know. No, I'm just adding to it. <laughs> yeah. like God, you need to understand, God understands. No matter what you try to pull, he knows what's real. Yes. And, and I'll tell you something else to that point. Those people that you're so concerned about disappointing at the practice or the whatever, they really aren't going to care one rip that you weren't there by the time they go home and lay their head down tonight. But I'll tell you who will care. Your pastor will care. Yes. The people in that church that are truly committed to that church's growth that will notice that you're not there, they care, and they will carry that with them. And so it is a – it's just – as they say, that's weak sauce, baby. (laughs) Yes, it is. So number one thing is plan and prepare to be there. Make no excuses. Just do it, okay? If you break your leg – They will put a cast on it. Get to church. All right? Number two, engage with the theme or the emphasis of the meeting. All right? What do we mean by that? The pastor should be casting a vision for this meeting. And if you think, well, I ain't, that pastor ain't cast no vision for this meeting. Well, maybe that's true. Or maybe you just aren't listening. Mm -hmm. But the pastor should be casting a vision for the meeting. In other words, what are we really after as we gather this time? And and so, well, it's revival. We were looking for revival. Well, probably if the pastor's heart is really in that, he's got some things that he's carrying that he really wants to see happen. So listen for it and engage with that. Pastors should be casting the vision. Members should be catching it and getting involved. So how do you do that? You pray over it. Whatever passages the pastor puts out in preparation for the meeting or might mention during the meeting, make a note of it. Go home and read them and meditate on them. Engage with the theme of the meeting. This is an important way that you get involved. And the beauty of simply asking questions, you know, going home, which full disclosure, I've got my homework still from yesterday. It's my intention to do that today, even in my even in my prayer time this morning. Okay, Lord, what needs removed from my life? What what are what are roadblocks? What are hindrances that are keeping me back from the next step forward? Again, I've got experience of being a a, a practical observer 
to revival meetings and just showing up, and boy, my soul was stirred, but not really taking tangible ownership of my responsibility. So, you know, everything that I feel like we're addressing, take it from our advice. We've we've been there, and this is the benefit that we're getting from it to take that ownership of the theme. I'm I am more excited about this revival meeting because of some of these things than typical meetings because there's more that's invested in it. Number three, I think if we're going to prepare for and really engage with the meeting, block out time each day, both prior to the meeting and after the meeting each evening, to pray, to meditate, and to think on what you heard and what you're receiving. It's really a building off of the, that second point, but now we're getting not just what the pastor has prepared us with, but what's actually coming into my heart. What am I getting as I... As I sit here in this service, whether it's in the worship part, which all of it's worship, including the preaching, but for the sake of clarifying, whether it's in the music part or whether it is in the the preaching of the Word of God. Now, in order to be able to do that, to make that time or have that time both before and after the meeting, I've got to declutter my life. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be some activities that I let go. There's got to be some noise I push away. There's got to be some of the world's attitude that I shun. And I think this is where we get to the role of practicing abstinence and fasting. And to clarify the difference between the two, fasting has to do with not eating. Abstinence has to do with not doing something, right? You can abstain from certain foods, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're fasting. Fasting is I'm not going to eat, right? But abstinence can be, I'm not going to watch television. I'm, I'm going to not do the... Now, I know some people will use the term, well, I'm fasting from watching the news. Okay, whatever terminology you want to use, we get what you're saying. But the practice of that is what clears up space. So we don't do it just to say, I fasted today. We always have to ask, well, what is the point of this? Mm-hmm. So, I, so if I don't eat a meal today, how does that help me in revival meeting tonight? Well, you take that time that you would have been preparing and eating that meal and cleaning up after yourself, and you devote that time to something that you received from the pastor or from the guest preacher, and you give that time to looking at it and praying over it, meditating about it, and maybe writing down some thoughts. Okay, That's only going to benefit your soul. Um, You have to prioritize this, but here are some questions that will guide us in, in how we do this. What do I need to confess? What do I need to repent of? Or where do I need repentance? Maybe is a better way to say that. And how can I move toward holiness? I think those are three good questions to take into a meeting like like this. Every time, every service, as we come out of it and we reflect on it, those questions will help us. So I'll say those again. What do I need to confess? Where do I need repentance, change of my thinking? And how can I move toward holiness based on what I was given tonight? So that would be my third thing. Finally... I think it'll help us, number four, prepare your heart and mind to resist. You mentioned this earlier. Prepare your heart and mind to resist the distractions that others will bring. This is an uncomfortable thing, but I'm going to say it because it's absolutely necessary. We have to acknowledge that there will be people that will be in the special meeting that are not preparing for it, not thinking about it, And they're going to come full of the world. It's going to be full in their mind. It's going to be on their lips. 
They're going to meet and greet you with something that's happening in the world, something totally unrelated to what we're there for, and you have to prepare. I know it seems like, well, why should I have to deal with their knucklehead nonsense? You just have to. Mm -hmm. You have to prepare yourself for that. Um, Don't be drawn into it. So get away from it, deflect it, and if you have to, rebuke it. So you got to prepare your heart for that. When I say rebuke it, I don't mean get in somebody's face and be ugly. Get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, if it gets to that point where that's genuinely necessary, you probably need to pause the meeting and everybody get in on prayer. But, yeah, I mean, rebuking it may be just simply saying something to the effect of, hey, brother, look, I know that you're excited about that, but I'm really trying to focus on being here tonight in what's about to happen. Maybe we can talk about that another time. That's kind of a mild rebuke. But there is a rebuke in that. But you're also protecting yourself. You're making it clear what you're here for. And maybe maybe you're going to exhort that brother or sister into rethinking and having some repentance in their own heart. Yeah, you're definitely going to put the ball in their court, so to speak, because they're either going to leave and being like, that guy think he is. Oh, look how spiritual I am. I'm, I'm trying to get somebody out of the meeting. <laughs> Those thoughts are probably going to come. But hopefully there's also that other layer that comes afterwards of, you know what am I really looking forward to getting out of the meeting? So it's a it's a two sided coin, but it's a win win or a win lose, but it's not a lose lose. That's right, because you're going to win either way. That's right. I'm a winner either way. Psalm one, verse one through three, First Peter three fifteen. Look up those verses. Incorporate those in your thinking over this as you think about how to prepare for these meetings. I think we're about out of time today, so better stop right there. How to Tuesday in the book. Have a good rest of your day. I look forward to seeing you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.